These are times to not be afraid. Our text this Easter Sunday morning is Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you'd open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts to hear your word, to be encouraged by the resurrection of your Son, and to live our lives in light of it. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When Iraq invaded Kuwait in 1990, I was unafraid. We were all convinced nothing was going to happen. But as the months rolled through fall, word came down to our artillery battalion that we were going to be deployed to war. And then I was afraid. All the preparations, signing wills, going through briefings, and packing all of our gear for embarkation to a war zone was a fearful thing. But then I remembered I was in Christ and ultimately had nothing to fear. This Easter morning, we find ourselves in a sea of fearful uncertainties. But we're reminded again of the fact of the resurrection of Jesus and his command, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Go and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse one. Matthew 28, beginning in verse one. And we'll first of all see the afraid. The afraid. It says there in Matthew chapter 28 and verse one, now after the Sabbath, Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. After the Sabbath, the Sabbath ran from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. It's after the Sabbath. It's 33 years after the Son of God came from the glories of heaven and took on human flesh. It's three years after the Messiah served an ungrateful nation with miracles and the preaching of the word. It's three days after the Son of Man was beaten, stripped, and murdered on a cross. It's dawn. It's the first day of the week. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. And the Marys are headed to the tomb to see where Jesus was buried. They're expecting to find a tomb, and if they can get the tomb open, they will find a dead body in there, just like you find in every other tomb. They're expecting to find a body that's been dead for three days and has begun its decomposition, returning to the dust. They've come to the tomb to finish preparing Jesus for burial. Going on to verse two. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Fearful events for earthly authorities. You may remember what happened. The Jewish authorities were concerned that the apostles would come and steal the body away. And then they could say, see, he resurrected from the dead. They were concerned if the body got stolen, they could make a martyr out of Jesus. And so they appealed to the Roman authorities and Pontius Pilate granted them their wish. A seal was put on the tomb, so this big stone would have been rolled over the face of the tomb, and then a string or a ribbon would have been put around that stone, and it would have been sealed with wax, and it would have had the signet ring of the governor on it. The governor of the Roman province of Judea, representing the power of Caesar and the Roman authorities. You break this seal, you die. And so there was a seal, and there was a Roman guard 
a Roman guard that was to guard this tomb. The Roman guard, members of the most professional army of their day at a time when the Roman Empire was reaching its peak of power. So we've got a seal and we've got a guard, but into the midst of this we have a megas seismos in the Greek. Mega is where we get our word mega from. Megas, big. Seismos is where we get our term seismic from. There was a megas, seismos, megas, large in the widest sense, seismos, earthquake, a large, huge earthquake. There was already an earthquake at the cross. Remember that earthquake at the cross when Jesus died? Because some peculiar things were attached to that. In Matthew 27 and verse 50 it says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit And behold, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened. When Jesus died, there was an earthquake, and the veil in the temple was split in two. The veil that guarded the Holy of Holies from the holy place. It had cherubim woven into it, symbolizing the cherubim with the flaming sword at the garden who kept humanity out after the fall. The total message was this, stay out sinners, danger inside. The holy priest went in there once a year on the day of atonement. But we see here, at the death of Christ, this veil is torn in two. The book of Hebrews tells us it represented the flesh of Christ in the death of Christ in his fulfillment of prophecy, in his payment of sin, the veil is torn in two and the message is unmistakable, come in. Come in. Humanity is invited to come back in to the presence of God. The earthquake caused the rocks to split and the tombs were opened up. I believe that's talking about rocks in front of tombs. They split and they were opened up. The tombs were opened up when Jesus died on the cross. And then this happened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs. After his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. People were raised from the dead. Now, they weren't glorified like Jesus, but they were like Lazarus. Raised from their state of death, they lived for a while, and then they died once again from natural causes. But at the resurrection of Christ, they went into the city. And as these women are coming to the tomb, I wonder if they passed some of these people heading into the city who'd been freed from their tombs and had been raised from the dead. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven. An angel of the Lord rolled away the stone and the seal with its Roman authority and guards was taken away, and he fearlessly sat on the stone. Going on to verse three, his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. The angel has a fearful appearance. In the Greek, this is very similar to what happened with Jesus at the transfiguration on the mount. Clothing that's glowing white, And underneath it seems as though the person's made out of lightning. Everything seems alive. The angel has a fearful appearance. He looks like Jesus at the transfiguration because Jesus has now transfigured. The guards meant to guard the dead are so fearful they become the dead. Let me say that again. The guards meant to guard the dead are so fearful they become the dead and this is exactly how it should be. At 4.25 in the morning, On Martin Luther King Jr. Day, 1994, 
The earth shook violently, and we were all awakened to a fearful shaking of all things. I thought it was a nuclear attack in what turned out to be the Northridge earthquake. We all fearfully emerged from our homes and were afraid that this was just the beginning of something even more fear-inducing. The earth shook on that first Easter morning, and the powers that be were shaken to their core, and they should have been afraid. All those who stood in the way of King Jesus for the message was and is, believe or perish. Can I hear an amen to that? So we see the afraid. Now let's see the unafraid. The unafraid. Going on to verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where he lay. Deathly fear for the Roman guards. But for the women, a command is given. In the Greek, it says, me phobeste humes. Phobeste is actually the Greek verb phobeomai. That's where you get our word phobia from. Not fear, phobia, phobeomai, to fear. Me phobeste humes. Me, not phobeste, to have fear, humes. You, it's a second person plural imperative. It's a plural command. And what the angel is saying is, you all must not be afraid. You must not be afraid, for I know that you seek the crucified Jesus. You expect to find him dead in the tomb. But guess what, says the fearsome angel. He's not here. He has risen. Check out the place where he had been. Now, if you look at the Gospel of John in a parallel text, you'll find some other details, very interesting details. You'll see there are actually two angels there. And when people came to inspect the tomb, they looked in and they saw an angel sitting at the head and an angel sitting at the foot of the stone platform where Jesus would have been. Two angels, one at the head, one at the foot, just like the angels in the Holy of Holies that had their wings spread out on the top of the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant represented the place where the presence of God was with the people of God. The presence of God with the people of God. Ultimately, it was just a shadow or type pointing forward to Jesus the God-man. Jesus the God-man who is the presence of God with the people of God who has now risen from the dead. If they looked in there, they would have seen a pile of grave clothes. They would have seen the face cloth folded up nice and neatly. They would have seen that Jesus isn't there anymore. Maybe he floated right out of those garments. He would have been mummified at the time when he was placed in the tomb. 75 pounds of paste and linen strips. But Jesus isn't there. The only thing that's left now are the empty grave clothes because Jesus has risen from the dead. I believe Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. Do you believe it, brethren? He is risen. Going on to verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Then go and tell the disciples that Jesus has risen, and he is going before you to Galilee. Why? Why is Jesus going before them and will meet them in Galilee? Because he's risen from the dead. He's glorious now. These physical boundaries, they don't hem him in like they do us. 
Jesus doesn't have to walk to Galilee. He'll just be there. Jesus is the ultimate superhero risen from the dead now, and the word of God tells us, as he is, so you shall be. As he is, so you shall be. And I take it that we'll have superhuman powers on the day of our resurrection, resurrected in Christ on the last day. In fact, I'll say this, we'll be truly human then. Why do the other gospels speak of Jesus appearing to the disciples before Galilee? Well, because they wouldn't believe. Going on to verse eight. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. They ran quickly from the tomb because that's past history. They're filled with joy and fear. Kids, you ever felt joy and fear at the same time? Sometimes God does something amazing and you can't just say, hey, that was just a coincidence. And you're filled with joy, but then you're suddenly filled with fear because you feel so small in the presence and power of God. And so they ran filled with joy and fear. Verse nine, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Jesus comes to the women because they're still afraid. They worshiped him because he's worthy of worship. He is risen, he is perfect, he is all-powerful, he is alive. And he says to them, and he says to us this morning, through the word of God, do not be afraid. Tell my disciples to forget what is behind and go to Galilee. Go into the future and there you will see me. You know, friends, we always want to go back to the past, don't we? I mean, I'm sure every one of you out here has some ideal past. Man, if I could get back to the 80s again. You know, all the stations aren't playing punk rock and new wave as oldies. Some of you are, are thinking, man, I wish I could get back to the 50s. Wasn't that a great time, Ozzy and Harriet? Leave it to Beaver. Some of you are more, more romantic and you wish, I wish I lived in a time where I could be in a Jane Austen novel. But you know what, friends? God has predestined you to be right here at this time and place. God has destined you before the foundation of the world to be right here in this generation, at this time and this place. And God's always moving us into the future. The Holy Spirit comes and was poured out on Pentecost and is moving before us, moving before the body of Christ. Jesus is always moving ahead of us, creating the future, and our job is to follow in that wake and to do his will. You're exactly where you're supposed to be this morning. And he says to us this morning, forget what is behind. The kingdom is always in the future. What do you fear this morning? Raising your kids in a violent time where no one knows what a woman is? Living in an increasingly hostile age where believing the Bible can get your business canceled? Facing death? Jesus says, do not be afraid. He's just ahead of us in a glorious future. Our memories were short in the midst of COVID-19 so that we forgot the fearsome Spanish flu. For nearly three years, the plague stalked the world, primarily striking down the young and vigorous. When the pandemic finally howled to a burning end in 1920, 50 to 100 million had died worldwide. Nearly 700,000 had perished in the United States alone at a time when our population was one-third of what it is today, indicating that if it struck today, over two million would die, and they would mostly be the young and the vigorous. 
But from the burning fear of those days, the world recovered, and our country was launched into a time of unparalleled prosperity known as the Roaring Twenties. Friends, these are bright days, and there's bright days ahead for us because he is risen. Who knows what plans Almighty God has? But we can be certain of this. He has a bright future for his people here in this age, but most certainly in the age to come. This morning in the Gospel of Matthew, we're reminded, do not be afraid. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would remind us this day and fill our hearts with the power of the Spirit and to walk in the knowledge of the truth of the resurrection of your Son and help us not to be afraid. Use us in this time and place to preach and live the gospel. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.